Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Excited to have you guys here. I have an awesome guest I'm going to be introducing momentarily. Uh, we're going to be talking health, wellness, a little entrepreneurship. Um, good stuff. Um, we've I've had a couple of, the, of these guests recently who, uh, you know, they're the types of people who, you know, have really seen a change in their lives, you know, with regards to health and the way they eat and exercise and all that stuff. And then yeah, that's good enough on its own, but they took it one step further and uh, and went into business uh, to back their ideas um, with, uh, you know, actual tangible products, which is really, really cool. Um, so before I get to my guest, I do want to remind you about Masa Chips, one of my former guests who was disrupting the tortilla chip market um, with Masa Chips. Masa Chips, which are a tortilla chip fried in grass-fed beef tallow. None of that seed oil nonsense, just delicious beef fat, and they are and they're so good. Um, you can pick up a bag of those today at masachips.com and just use promo code LIONS at checkout for 10% off. So check that out. And the only other thing I will say is today's episode, we do have a bonus segment um, with my guest. So we'll be getting into some more stuff. I think we went for about 20 minutes and we got into some interesting conversations. You're really going to enjoy it. You can hear the full conversation with the bonus and everything. Um, by signing up for our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty or at locals, lionsofliberty.locals.com. They would love to have you. Of course, if you join the Pride, you get the bonus content. You get Brian's uh, weekday rants that he does pretty much four or five days a week. You get our other bonus shows that we have. And uh, you get to join the Pride, the Lions of Liberty Pride. You get more stuff. I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm losing track of all of the incentives and things we have in the Pride. So the bottom line is, if you like the show, you should join the Pride. So with that being said, let's get to today's show. All right. I am live with Christian Bates to the Lions of Liberty Pride. And uh, today, uh, you know, we're talking to Christian and I've known Christian for a while through social media. I feel like I've known him, followed his uh, his posts and uh, everything he's done with his company, Longevity Power, um, which we'll talk about. But we're, we're also going to get into his personal journey towards liberty and also his health journey. He's someone who you know, has lost in excess of 50 pounds and really changed uh, the perspective on health and exercise in, uh, 
in doing so. Um, he's someone who was really passionate about and has dedicated his life to the pursuit of holistic health. And like a couple of my recent guests, has uh, has dabbled and experimented with a lot of different diets. So interested to hear about that. And uh, now he's really chosen to be uh, strong and flexible to eat an ancestral-based uh, diet and to build his lifestyle and his habits um, in a way to, to shield from a lot of these health-depleting things that we're uh, surrounded by in this in this modern world. So Christian, welcome to Finding Freedom. Thanks for having me on, John. Yeah, good to uh, to have you on the show. Uh, I've had you on, on my list to, to bring you on the show for, for quite a while. And then I saw, I guess it was last week or two weeks ago, where you had a post um, talking about one of your longevity um, longevity power products. And also, I've been meaning to order some for a while. So I figured, why don't I order some? And then uh, let's connect and bring you on. So happy to have you here. Uh, I think a good place to start, just to give my audience sort of a... Uh, you know, a basis, a little bit of a, a background on, on who you are and, and where you come from. If you could start out just by just giving the the generic, um, I don't want, well, generic's not the right, not the right word, but the uh, the short sort of elevator pitch about who you are and, and what you're all about. Well, I feel that my uh, liberty journey and also health journey totally paralleled uh, ever since I was 16 when I lost the 50 excess pounds. Uh, I also started to kind of get red-pilled on nutrition and on the food mm -hmm. system and at the same time on politics and propaganda at the same time and uh, just kind of pieced together how I want to live my life from kind of an overlapping of those perspectives. So what was the, what was the trigger point for the... Uh, political or philosophical shift in your ideas? Was it tied to the losing of the weight? Did that come first or was there some other trigger? So when I was 16, I was one of the chubbiest and shortest boys in my class. And then in six months, I cut back on like eating my favorite San Francisco sourdough uh, baguettes and biking every day. And as I lost a little more weight, I started to run all the time. And this was back in 2002. So I, there wasn't much in the way of searching on the internet and like cross-referencing people's different experiences. Mm -hmm. It was mostly reading books and taking the author's word for it. But I did prove to myself that a few things done well helped me go from 200 pounds to 150 pounds back then. And so I was really happy with that and just got so into the pursuit of health and nutrition and fitness. But um, I'd say I went through my like woke phase early back then. So I was into, I, I was part of the recycling club at school. I would like yell at people for, you know, not, not recycling, even though now I understand that most things like don't actually get recycled. It doesn't always make a difference. And um, started to go plant-based and then, became a hardcore vegan by the time mm. I was uh, 17 and had a, a brief stint with kind of the, the, the soy tofu veganism. And then I learned pretty early that, on that. that well, that was big. I mean, that, that was pretty much veganism back then, right? That was like mainstream I, veganism. Yeah. I mean, it still kind of is. is I mean, it's almost, I mean, the standard American diet, the standard industrial foods mm -hmm. are also like a soy 
plant-based thing. They yeah. all, they all kind of, um, are based on the same disinformation and cherry pick science. Uh, mm -hmm. but I can, I'll get to that in a little bit. Sure. And then I, um, I figured out that soy was terrible. So I went raw vegan. And by the way, there's no such thing as a real vegan diet. Um, all plant-based agriculture requires a huge culling of billions of animals all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't know any of that back then. So I thought I was eating this like ancestral diet because I was in an echo chamber where people thought that humans were more of these like forgivorous uh, primates. And so for the next eight years, I got deeper into the raw vegan diet. Uh, I launched a, a raw vegan superfood bar and um, also got really into yoga. And I remember around 18, 19, someone asked me about my politics. And I thought like communism was obviously the best way. We got to share everything. You got to vote for. And then um, in 2009, I started listening to Alex Jones. Mm -hmm. Alex Jones had Ron Paul on. I immediately read two of Ron Paul's books. Do, do you remember what what led you to Alex Jones? Just out of curiosity, because that I mean, I know a lot of people who were kind of you know started down the the path by Alex Jones. I was listening to a lot of um, uh, what's that one show? Uh, it's on late at night where it's all about uh, conspiracy theories and um. Mm. It's on the tip of my tongue, but it's all about like, oh, oh do you, UFOs exist? Do all these alternate realities yeah. exist? And I think that they, they might have had Alex Jones on as a guest. And then Alex Jones had um, a lot of cool people on as guests. So I started to kind of get a uh, red pill. I, I voted for Obama in 2008. And immediately afterwards, I realized that, you know, that whole regime of politicians is actually, you know, evil and totally corrupt. Mm -hmm. And then around 2011, I heard a speech from someone who had been eating vegan for over a decade, and he realized that it's not all it's cracked up to be. And he asked people, hey, do you know anyone who eats vegan uh, healthfully for one year? A lot of people raised their hands. How about five years? Fewer people. 10 years, 20 years. And the only uh, last couple of hands left were people who knew uh, long-term vegans, but they all had like neurological and other health issues. And I realized that, oh, actually humans are um, omnivorous hunter-gatherers living in a modern industrial world and mm. that we should eat like that. And so I slowly added in animal products. At first, it was just like eggs and fish oil. And also, um, I was a, an active hot yoga teacher. I was full-time yoga teacher. But in the long run, since I was mainly doing yoga as my exercise, and since yoga doesn't really have any pulling mechanisms to develop the muscles for pulling, it's mostly push and stretch. Mm -hmm. So even though I was doing like long hold held lunges and building my quadriceps and developed weak, loose hamstrings, which created a muscular imbalance in my knees, so I could barely even walk or run down hills. And wow. so I started... You know, that, that, that's interesting. That makes like perfect sense the way you explained it there that you would just by doing yoga, you would have deficiencies in certain areas. But I mean, I've, I've never looked for it, but I've never heard of that from anyone else. Is that a common thing that happens to people who exclusively do yoga? Do you know? 
for those that exclusively do it in the long term, yeah. yes. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's so similar to the vegan diet in that a lot of people seem to get a lot of benefits briefly in the beginning and then develop long-term issues. Hmm. So I'd say if, if someone's new to yoga, it's, it's going to be great. Uh, you're probably going to do a lot of benefits, but you still want to do other exercises. Yeah. And, and so uh, I started going to the gym and doing a weight resistance split routine. And within the first month of exercising my legs fully, including my hamstrings, my knee problems went totally away. Hmm. And also after like the first big weight training afternoon I had, I came home and decided I'm going to have my first big like whole pound filet of salmon. And I hadn't had fish in years. And I felt so grounded. I was just like, oh, this is what my body's been craving for yeah, years. It's bra brain food. Yeah. Brain food. And also yeah. um, the, the seed-based products I was eating were technically full of seed oils, even though they weren't the industrial seed oils mm -hmm. that a lot of people are coming around to, to that are just totally toxic. So cottonseed oil, safflower, canola oil, uh, you know, the vegetable oils, soybean oil. Uh, I wasn't eating those, but I was still eating a lot of oils that had the same fatty acids. So an organic fresh pressed sunflower oil or sunflower seeds still has a lot of those omega-6 inflammatory fats that I didn't realize I was suffering from until I started mm. to piece things together later. And then I started adding in uh, beef and then eventually beef organs and more animal fats and cranking up my weight training routine. And instead of doing yoga, I do more like gymnastic stretching now, which seems to actually get me to my flexibility goals more efficiently than trying to get to them by just complying in a yoga class. Like I can just go directly to what I want to do. And, um, I feel like that going from that kind of blue pilled notion of nutrition where I was like a woke vegan into the more red pilled understanding of no, actually we're hunter gatherers. We need to eat ancestrally. We're designed to have most of our nutrition and calories come from high quality animal products. And then we piece things together from there with plant foods and mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And then um, actually in 2015, I started listening to the Lions of Liberty. You were my second uh, libertarian right. podcast. Uh, first one was uh, Roger Paxton's Lava Flow. Oh, and he, great show. He, yeah. Yeah. Uh, short lived, but he had a, had you guys on, uh, or he had a, a guest episode of, of you guys for the uh, libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor. And so I didn't even know about Tom Woods back then, uh, but I was really into you guys and have been ever since. That's cool. Yeah. Actually funny you bring up Roger. He, uh, so, so Roger kind of, he stopped his podcast and he kind of dropped off the face of the earth, which, which is totally fine. And he went and he was, I know for a while he was a, he was a, he was raising pigs up in New Hampshire. Uh -huh. I'm not sure if he's still doing that, if he's still doing that, but he did just reappear on a, uh, on Facebook and uh, so, so he's doing well. I'm not sure what he's doing or where he lives now, but um, it's good to always to see Roger Paxton. He's a uh, a good lover of liberty. Um, Absolutely, I'd be curious what he's up to and where his like philosophy has taken him to. Yeah, that I should maybe maybe I'll try to track him down to bring him on the show. That that'd be an interesting conversation. Um, so I'm curious b before we get into talking, you know, more about 
diet and more about, um, you know, longevity power. I, I just want to talk about COVID for a little bit because I know that, that you were someone who was um, very outspoken dur- during COVID on on social media, and I just wanted and, and I I'd forgotten that you know you're out in the belly of the beast there out in California. So I just wanted to hear what your COVID experience was like from that perspective and uh, how much were you able to sort of just just live without being encumbered by the insanity of uh, the California response? Uh, There is definitely a lot of insanity. I live in a a county that's like 97% vaccinated, Uh, but I do have several friends who uh, immediately you know, within the first month after the lockdowns, pieced everything together and realized that this was mm-hmm. all, all a sham. And uh, some of those friends I went to the gym with and um, the gym I used to go to, they had a little speakeasy in the early morning uh, that also got busted by the cops a few times. And um, ultimately, the owner of the gym banned me. Uh, and that banning I, I wear as a badge of honor uh because uh, I, I pushed back against the the mask mandates. And I even like got a um, a uh, mask uh, medical exemption from a therapist mm-hmm. and um, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't hear it. So he banned me. Luckily, I'm at a, a much better gym now, although that gym also wouldn't let me inside without a mask for a while. But they had an outdoor area. So I was at least able to to uh, exercise a lot during the lockdowns. But it's, it's, um, it's, it's concerning. Um, and there are, uh, there is a group of local freedom fighters and they're all, um, they're all kind of like former liberals since I'm in a, a liberal area. There's mm-hmm. not that many like kind of right wing, um, rural type folks. So it's all kind of like the hippies who, um, are very based on their on their demands for freedom. The the that's, old school been, freedom fighters. That, that's who used to be speaking out against um, you know these types of mandates back in the you know sixties and seventies. <clears throat> yeah, and and a lot of these people also you know used to be the ones who would be like against um, vaccine mandates for children in schools mm-hmm. and were um, more hip to the corruption in in the food system and and more um aware of certain health health awarenesses yeah well but i can't really you, uh, they're not hip on economics uh, yeah no, on, that's 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 the one so thing some of their the, solutions are going to be for you know bigger government and not they're not quite uh as radical in some areas that's that's the one thing with people coming from the left but i i will say this like i'm much more willing to make a Know, build a coalition or have an alliance with someone coming from the left or coming from the right who I align with on you know being against the COVID regime, being against these mandates, who understands um, how evil these pharmaceutical companies are and how they essentially own our media. Um, if someone understands that I'm much more willing to build a coalition with them. However, I'm, I'm careful to build coalitions with people who might say, oh yeah, I'm with you on being anti-war, but then you know they're not with you on the pharmaceutical side of it or, or the, the COVID regime side of it. Um, because those people just a, a couple of years ago um, gladly would have thrown me in a cage for not putting a mask on. 
and uh, I can't have them in my foxhole. I don't know if you agree with that, but I I completely agree with the idea that um, as important as like political freedom, libertarian type concepts are, that's really like a subset of a greater understanding of how the world works mm-hmm. and of like social psychology and kind of seeing through propaganda and questioning uh, mainstream narratives, including ones that aren't necessarily like caused by big government. Yes. Like so, so many of our, our issues with food, like with seed oils, mainly seed oils exist now and haven't had much pushback because of, and this has been going on for over a hundred years because big agriculture, big business was able to pay off uh, certain parts of government to the point of, um, you know, being able to cherry pick the science of different studies that have been done on say seed oils versus animal fats and get that narrative going so that mm-hmm. now in the medical system and pretty much throughout everywhere in society, seed oils have been accepted, even though they're totally aberrant. So yeah, I just, um, as, as important and, and, and great as really understanding Austro-Libertarian is, mm-hmm. I'm much more fascinated and interested in like just questioning like why we're here and what's going on and questioning every um every pretty much everything because pretty much every topic has been polarized like you name (laughs) one thing and there's like there's like the kind of a more red pill truthful understanding of it and then there's kind of this propagandized narrative around it that isn't based on truth, but it's based on an understanding that uh, makes that topic benefit the the ruling class. Mm-hmm. And that, that incentive is so great that it can dominate the incentives for understanding the truth. And then, of course, there's going to be like mix, mixes of those two understandings and kind of a controlled opposition. Um, so I'd, I'd say that's true for pretty much everything. It's like I just want people who are really curious to go after like uh, what is really going on rather than default to an ideology, whether that ideology be libertarian-ish or or something that's just based on what they've been told. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I think people who are, who do develop their ideology that way, and kind of become just sort of like natural libertarians without the, you know, maybe they haven't read uh, Rothbard or Mises. I think a lot of times they're, they're sort of better in, in, in navigating the uh, the propaganda because it's it's learned experience. Um, when you get those who are just basing everything on libertarian dogma, um, they have a hard time evolving as uh, as the world slaps them in the face. But I did want to dig in on seed oils a little bit more because they're in everything. I mean, it's hard to, you know, you walk through a grocery store, you start looking at labels, you're going to see seed oils in almost everything. It's, it's crazy when you're obviously, I mean, when I say in a grocery store, in the interior aisles of a grocery store with all the processed and, and bagged and boxed food, if you're on the outer rim, you know, fruits and veggies and 
and, and meats and things like that, eggs, um, you're, you're, you, can, you can avoid the seed oils pretty well. But aside from this government influence, um, subsidies and whatnot, building up this industry, um, you know, the, the corn lobby in Iowa is, is, is huge. But w- what purpose do a lot of these seed oils even serve being in food? I mean, I kind of have a theory on the one end, it's for sort of like lubrication to help with the manufacturing with a lot of these bars and things. But what's what's your perspective on that? So I think there are many things going on and you kind of only need one thing to kind of explain everything, but there may be other things going on that can contribute mm-hmm. to it. Uh, so one of the first seed oils was cotton seed oil because they had an abundance of cotton seed from making cotton. And so they figured out how to press this seed into an oil and use it as a machine lubricant or as a lamp oil. This is back in the 1800s. But then in the early 1900s, they figured out how to refine it and make it actually edible. And they called that Crisco or crystallized cotton seed mm-hmm. oil. And they started to, you know, advertise it and kind of gradually, because it was such a big industry and it was so cheap, there was just so, so much incentive to push this. And also we're in an era now in the early 1900s where the concept of better living through technology, better living through chemistry was starting to become more and more of a thing. And so the idea that a technologically derived fat Uh, people just were like, oh, it must be therefore better. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until closer to like the 1950s that the seed oil businesses, um, you know, which started to include uh, soybean oil and corn oil, um, just blew up. They went from, you know, millions of gallons to, to like billions and started to push that narrative Uh, into like the American Heart Association and get otherwise brilliant people, including doctors, to just comply to this narrative. And part of the reason that it was easy to, uh, that like this, the scientific studies weren't like overtly saying, no, seed oil is highly inflammatory. Seed oil actually contributes to coronary heart disease. Uh, Seed oil like destroys your your nervous system by not properly uh, nourishing your myelin sheaths. Is because you need long-term studies. And most of the studies were done for like under five years. And so if you study a group of people, even if you're really meticulous, like they did one study where they fed people identical food for years, except one food was made with like butter and lard and tallow. And the other was made strictly with vegetable oils. Mm-hmm. All the other ingredients were the same. But in a short period of time, it's very easy to cherry pick and make the seed oils look good. And it's only until you do a much longer study, say 10 years or more, that you're able to prove that seed oils cause these diseases and this shorter life expectancy. Which is incredibly hard to do a study like that over a long duration. I mean, it's just... Yeah. Now now there are many studies. So the whole thing's thoroughly debunked now, but it did Mm -hmm. take decades. And there there could also be the idea that by dumbing the population down, by making mm -hmm. a that you're like all the majority of your calories come from a food 
that is just so bad for your nervous system and hormones and metabolism that it makes for a dumb, a dumber population. And I'm not mm -hmm. sure, like, I, I would never put that kind of con more conspiratorial thing. I think it exists to what capacity. I'm, it's not always clear, but I think that there is that incentive, especially with uh, the medical system. The more you feed people seed oils, the more chronic diseases there are. I don't know how much of that is emergent versus bad actors who know exactly what they were doing this whole time. It's probably some mixture of both. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. So when you started telling that story about seed oil, starting with with Crisco, and I mean, I I remember my you know my grandmother and my mother both using Crisco, and just when you taste it by itself, it just tastes horrible. I mean, it tastes absolutely awful. Um, but when you think about, you were talking about why that came into being because it was just so incredibly cheap. And I think libertarians, we fall into this trap where we're like, well, the free market will just work itself out. You know, there's evil people who work at corporations who gladly will, will make millions and millions of dollars selling a uh, inferior or a dangerous product if they're making money. Um, that's not to say that I think everything should be government controlled, but it's to say we need to be very aware that corporations can do very, very bad things too. And a lot of times it's government and corporations coming together, you know, kind of uh, a marriage between the two that, that that's the worst recipe. But um, I guess my it, point of this rant is just because something's private, it doesn't mean it's necessarily a good thing. Yeah, it, we can never really know. But in an alternate universe where everything was the same, except we had like small government and not nearly the, the corruption in the food industry and all the Mm -hmm. backwards incentives that that creates would seed oils still have become a thing <laughs> that yeah. that we would have or would it have become less of a thing but still a thing that uh caused a lot of a huge amount of uh, the population issues i don't know yeah it's it's interesting and i mean it'd be interesting for someone to study this not me i don't have the time <laughs> um but you know seed oils i don't think at least are anywhere close to as prolific in like Europe as they are in the United States. Um, and that may more have to do with just, uh, you know, the population bases in Europe, um, you know, not moving around as much, um, living in the same area, having a more consistent diet. Um, we're not as easily duped into, um, I'm just totally speculating into using some of these, products or just these companies knowing maybe that they, that they couldn't sell them there. But in the United States, you have a, a population that's migrating here. People are un, in unfamiliar territories. Everything's changing. It's a whole new world. You're introducing uh, you know, the automobile. You're having electricity for the first time. It's all these different things happening. Sure, here's a new thing to eat. Here's a new thing to eat. I, I just wonder, I wonder how that played into it and factored in. My understanding is that it's still a very big deal everywhere. Really? Uh, 
including Europe, uh, it's probably the worst for people in third world countries because they're eating like all cheap, for the most part, cheaper products and far fewer animal products. And so the, the worst thing about seed oil, it's not so much that it's been highly processed. It's that the omega fatty acids are inverted. So uh, they've studied different, uh, like more hunter gatherer uh, cultures and the fatty acid, uh, fatty acid uh, distribution of people's tissues is around three to 4% linoleic acid. Linoleic acid is the main omega-6 fatty acid. It's the highest fatty acid in most mm -hmm. seed oils. Most seed oils are between 20 to 70% linoleic acid. And most animal fats are going to be well under 5 to 10%, sometimes well under 5%. Coconut oil is almost 0% linoleic acid. Um, like healthy um, fruit oils, like avocado oil and olive oil, those are going to be like under 5 to 10%. Um, but once you have this excess of linoleic acid, it builds up in your tissues and it's in, it's telling your system to like store fat and it messes up how our mitochondria work and actually takes a while to replace because let's say you had a high seed oil diet your whole life and then suddenly you started to eat a more ancestral diet where you switched from Crisco to tallow, tallow mm -hmm. like a really good tallow, by the way looks like Crisco and that it's like this white whipped, uh, it substance. does. It, it, it tastes a lot better though than, uh, than Crisco it tastes a lot different. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's not uh, refined at all. It's just, yeah. um, it's just strange really. Uh, but it still, it's going to take so sometimes years to correct that fatty acid structure in one cells so that we get like our full metabolic health, um, back. Mm -hmm. So like one big dose of a high linoleic acid or high seed oil meal, um, even if it's just a, an occasional cheat meal, kind of lasts in your system for a while. You can't just immediately really? reverse it by having a, a healthy meal a few hours later. So it is well, something to be concerned about. Th that is something to be concerned about because, uh, you know, it's hard to totally avoid seed oils. I mean, my wife and I, pretty much our philosophy is, you know, we're not going to cook with that stuff. Obviously um, we're, we look at labels. We do the best we can to make sure we're not buying anything with seed oils in it. Things it's hard. Things do slip through. You go out to eat. I mean, you still want to be able to enjoy life, go out to eat and you don't know what they're cooking with in the kitchen. Some places are starting to advertise. And I think this will become more abundant with places starting to tap into the marketing of not using seed oils, which, which will be a good thing. Um, there's a hat tip to the free market. Um, but it's, it's difficult. So you're saying that even, you know, going out to dinner once every two weeks or whatever, twice a month is still going to have a, 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 a nagging impact on your linoleic acid or what, what kinds of, I mean, it's, it's obviously going to help you more I, so than eating it every day. Right. I would say that it depends on the person because some people are just really sensitive. Like for mm -hmm. me, I've had a lot of food sensitivities. So if I had any more than say a teaspoon of, and that's just my guess, uh, of a seed oil that was, that got into a meal. So like when you cook in seed oil, um, sometimes a lot of that oil will end up in the food, sometimes not, sometimes it drips off. 
So there's also that consideration. But it, it really depends on where you're at in your own health journey. Like if mm-hmm. you've had, uh, if you have an autoimmune disorder, if you have uh, metabolic issues that, you know, make it so that it's really hard to lose weight or you might have to be far more restrictive to truly get your health goals, you know, happening. Yeah. Um, but for some people that might just be unnecessary. I def- there's a thing called orthorexia and orthorexia is where you are so restrictive in your diet that the restrictiveness ultimately becomes a detriment. And I definitely had variations of, of doing that. My, my early on mentality with nutrition was if I can be more restrictive, that's my path to health. Mm-hmm. But now I kind of invert it, even though I do avoid a lot of things, but also replace those things with like super nutrient dense foods. My mentality now is how do I make it so that I can have the most flexibility possible? Like I've always had a, a dairy sensitivity, not to the lactose, but to the casein. And uh, once a, a, a company even asked me to formulate an ice cream for them. And I was like super stoked. I was like, okay, we're going to make this out of goat cream and mm-hmm. make it the best superfood ice cream possible. But I couldn't taste test it without getting, without just feeling awful all the time. And so I had to eventually turn them down and said, like, I, I can't do this. But I would love to figure out a way where, whether it's my gut microbiome or certain things about my body where I could handle dairy again, uh, mm-hmm. especially like the, um, the A2 milk, which has fewer of those casein allergens. And, um, so I, I, even though, um, it is good to just like not eat certain things for a good long time because they're no longer serving you. It's also good to be like, all right, how do I still have massive nutrition abundance and enjoy every, every meal? Yeah, no, that, yeah, that, that's, uh, and I mean, and milk is such a, a nutrient dense thing, especially raw milk to be able to, uh, to drink. Yeah, and but, high quality butter and yeah. and cream mm-hmm. and and colostrum. Yeah. yeah, they're all they're they're all basically an organ meat. Um and I'm really into organ meat, so I'm I'm into liver, you know, kidney, brain, connective tissue, so the bone broths. I think it's so good to eat nose to tail. And dairy technically is like uh, a domesticated agriculture version of mm-hmm. ancestral eating. So let, let's talk about eating, eating organ meats and kind of, kind of lead that into, uh, you know, what led you to, to founding your company, Longevity Power. So when did you start eating organs? And, um, I mean, do, do you eat, you know, try to eat s- some organs every day, you know, a certain amount a week yeah. or like, do you have like a, a quota how you do it? I, I try to have it bare minimum, like a half an ounce a day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll have a lot more. Um, I've I've had like a pound of liver all at once. Uh, you probably isn't there do like that. a isn't there like a downside to that though with having like too much liver? Is yeah, you, yeah. liver has a, a lot of preformed vitamin A called retinol, mm-hmm. and there there's a massive disagreement on this in like the paleo carnivore type communities. Some people think that your body can actually handle quite a bit, and some think that you should really be um, much more cautious with it. I think that uh, I'm like a little bit to the, you can handle more than some people think, but don't go overboard. Uh, Cause a lot of the, I mean, vi- most people are deficient 
in preformed vitamin A, which is so good for your eyes and your immune system. I mean, it's just a, it's the a corner. It's like one of the top fat soluble vitamins that our body just mm-hmm. needs. And when we don't get enough of that from animal products, and we only get the non preformed uh, beta carotene version from plant foods, so all the orange plant foods like. Uh, uh, yams are going to have beta carotene, but that's your body still has to convert that and it doesn't convert it super efficiently. So having the preformed is, is still better. Interesting. So, so what types of organs do you eat? Are you eating like, like beef liver, chicken livers, um, hearts? What, what types of organs? My main animal that I eat is beef. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that the ruminant animals, all the red meat animals, they have the best nutrition. They also have the best fats because of how their stomach is. Uh, they basically eat, you know, grass and kind of a carbohydrate based diet that turns fatty acids into this higher saturated fat, lower omega six fat in their tissues. Mm-hmm. Whereas the monogastric animals, so all poultry, pork, those are going to have a little bit more of the uh, omega-6 oils in their body, especially if they're primarily grain-fed. Uh, and most um, scaled-up farms, even if they're organic, are going to be mainly grain-fed. So even like a large-scale chicken farm, um, even if it's pasture-raised, they probably can't make them all pasture-raised where they're eating all insects, which would be the biologically appropriate food for mm-hmm. chickens. They're still going to be uh, giving them some amount of grain, and that's just going to be changing the fatty acid distribution of their tissues to a certain degree. Um, you can see that in their eggs. The more grain a chicken is fed, the the lighter the egg yolk, the more it eats insects and you know scraps from outdoors, the more their egg yolk will be dark orange, which you know, that, has to do that, with that, vitamin A. That's interesting. I, I, just, I just learned that like a week ago that because um, somebody um, – listener of the show had posted on her Facebook that she has her own chickens and she can tell how much pasture time they get um, based on the color of the yolk. So that's a, uh, that's a good thing to know. Yeah. So uh, I'm an, an aspiring hunter. Uh, I would love to eventually get so into hunting that I can do subsistence eating where I'm eating mm-hmm. a lot of say venison or elk. Uh, but uh, high quality beef, grass fed, and even the best would be grass finished pasteurized beef. It's even though these are domesticated animals that are different from the wild auroch that is now extinct that cows come from, they're practically the same nutrition. And so I think that beef as well as like grass fed lamb is basically like a truly ancestral food that is just so optimized for human biology. So most of my Organs are going to be coming from beef. I'll occasionally do chicken livers, but I, I think that the beef liver and beef kidney and beef bone broth and beef fat, and I'll, I'll even do um, beef brain, uh, spleen, pancreas. Uh, my favorite is the thymus. The thymus mm-hmm. is uh, right by the, the heart. It's basically the center of the lymphatic system. It's a glandular. It's uh, along with the pancreas is called a sweetbread because it doesn't have like a red meaty flavor. It has more of a, a soft, almost desserty That's flavor, <laughs> like cheesy. And uh, it has all these um, like cofactors that are great for your immune system. And it's just it's exquisite. 
So how, how do you cook that? Or are you eating it raw? Uh, I mostly eat it uh, powdered. So I get most of my um, okay. organs just very conveniently powdered from New Zealand farms. But if you have it fresh, which you, you need to special order uh, from a butcher or from a, mm-hmm. a farm, um, you could just pan fry it super fast and, yeah. um, and cook it uh, hot and rare. So, so let's, let's talk about longevity power and uh, really the, the line of supplements that you've developed there. Um, when did you start it and what was the, uh, you know, what was the idea, the driving force behind it? So I, I launched um, way back when I was only 20 and didn't know anything about business. I, I co-launched a bar I created called the Wild Bar, which was a superfood meal replacement bar. It was called the Wild Bar because it had wild blue-green algae in it. And it was made with all the ingredients that I was loving back then in my vegan days. That's a great name, by the way. Wild it Bar. It is. <laughs> and uh, someone took it. Someone has a new wild bar with a completely <laughs> oh. different formula now. And, um, but I, I, I licensed it to a business that did really well with it for a couple of years and then kind of ran it into the ground. And I realized, okay, I, I should really own my own business. And in, um, and I launched uh, longevity power in 2012. And at that time I was getting really into this kind of other missing food group. So if like organs are kind of a, a missing modern food group, the adaptogens are also something that we would eat ancestrally that a lot of people don't know about. So adaptogens are herbs and functional mushrooms Mm -hmm. that help your body to adapt to stress. They have anti-fatigue factors. They're great for your immune system and brain function. And I found that most of the adaptogens on the market that I was consuming were not as potent or as quality or as well-priced as I wanted. A lot of them were in capsules when I was really into making like drinks out of like drink instant powders. And so I developed some products uh, that were all about the highest quality adaptogens in a, in a comprehensive way in like drink mix form, launched that with longevity power and uh, I've been doing that for 11 years now. And then last year I finally launched my uh, ancestral organ powder mix line and so now I'm able to, which is, which feels really good because, because I'm so into like animal foods, but I was selling mainly plant and mushroom foods. It felt a little bit disconnected because as much as mm-hmm. I love adaptogens, I really like to talk about like the animal stuff. So now I can talk about both freely and have something to offer people. That's, that's really cool. So, so where, where are the powders sourced from? You, you were saying you ordered, do you get it from New Zealand? Is that? Or yeah, the organ powders sports? are from New Zealand. My bone broth protein powder is from Sweden, and it's all uh, pasture-raised, grass-fed beef. How how hard was it to to set up this this operation? I mean, I, I, to to start any sort of supplement company, I, I know can be you know pretty pretty difficult f- from a you know resource standpoint from you know producing it. So, can you talk a little bit about how you overcame those obstacles? Um. It, there's always overcoming. There's always going to be changes in, in updates and sourcing. Um, I just, I just do what I can. Um, I'm, I'm pretty small scale still. So all mm-hmm. of our, our production is, is small, small batches. I would love to, you know, dramatically scale up. Uh, and that I will eventually very soon. And, um, I just, 
I just believed in myself. Like I think I can do this. And um, yeah, there's always going to be more things I can do. Eventually I want like a full on GMP facility. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's like, now we're talking and, you know, I'd have to like hundred X to get there, but I will. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a, when I had on the the founder of uh, of Masa Chips a couple of weeks ago, and you know they're, they're at the point where they're still you know making all of their tortilla chips by hand. Um, th- th- those are the chips that are fried in uh, grass fed beef tallow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, of course, you you want to grow, but you're not really ready to grow because you couldn't meet the demand. You don't want to just have orders you can't fill. So that's kind of a, a tricky dynamic to uh, to grow in a company. Yeah. And a lot of companies, they do it by, you know, getting funding, um, partnering with different companies. I, uh, I haven't done that. I've been mm-hmm. the main guy. I wear all the hats, but, um, I'm ready to build a team and, um, do whatever the next step is, you know, for scaling up. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so we're going to go to the bonus show here in a minute. Um, I did just want to get, just get a general opinion from you on, um, I mean, the shift I've done in my show, you've been listening to, to me for, for years. So you understand what happened. I, I started out talking about, you know, criminal justice system during COVID with everything happening. I, I pivoted to, uh, to this show, finding freedom and obviously talking to people like yourself who are very passionate about, um, health and, uh, and wellness and really taking ownership of that aspect. My question for you is how important do you think, you know, to people who do have a Liberty mindset to people who do understand the philosophy of Liberty, how important is it that they are pairing that with, um, you know, taking care of their own bodies of nourishing, uh, you know, their bodies with, with, food that is not poison, that is not, you know, seed oils, that is not, uh, you know, Little Debbie's uh, cakes and things like that. How important is that marriage of the the ideas of liberty with, you know, um, the practical application of, you know, living a healthy life? I think that they go together. I think that there are definitely a lot of people who have excelled in the liberty space and not, you know, paid that much attention to their health. But I think, you know, eventually that's going to come, you know, come to a point where they'll have to deal with their health mm-hmm. and that might, you know, take away from their capacity to, to do what they're doing. So I think that, you know, there's all these different sayings, you know, if you think healthy food is expensive, try, you know, getting sick or time in the hospital. Right. Um, I think that being able to wrap your mind around, uh, important topics of freedom and being, uh, you know, a, a sovereign, autonomous, independent, healthy, grassroots type person, which has so much to do with eating and, and being healthy. Um, they all really are overlapping more and more. And I, th- I really think that they're kind of one in the same. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Definitely not Stephen Ellis, who's uh, who's watching along here, has, has a great point. Um, others are more likely to take advice from healthier people. Uh, I definitely agree with that. And I, I forget where I heard this or who said it, but I've probably heard it multiple, from multiple places. But 
um, you know, someone who can't, you know, control what they're, what they're eating, what goes, you know, you know, it, it, in their mouth every day, what they choose to eat at meals, you're going to follow that person to, you know, to make decisions and, and lead you in other aspects of life. Um, I don't know, just, uh, just something to consider. But so before I let you go, I do want to let you once again, you know, plug, um, longevity power, plug anything else that you have, your social or or anything. uh, And I'll add one more thing. Sure. Uh, All all the crap food and uh, the toxins that we're exposed to that are just unleashed wholesale by the thousands of chemicals, by big corrupt corporations throughout the world. In order to take a stand against those, we, we do need to take a stand personally in our own lifestyle to to push away those things. Otherwise mm-hmm. we have like the mark of the beast on us. Otherwise we're, um, you know, taking it when in fact we're also trying to take a stand against it. Yeah. It's like if you're taking the jab and uh, you're saying, ah, but we have to stop with these jabs. Then you get another jab. We got to stop with these jabs. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't align. Yeah. Great point. Your plugs, uh, pl- pl- plug away. Uh, longevitypower.com. It's the main place you can find me. I have blogs there all about um, thinking differently about health. And uh, I have my products there. Um, I'm on Instagram. My personal Instagram is based with Bates. So based with Bates. And I just put a lot of memes out there. And uh, yeah, that's, that's mainly where people can go. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show and we're going to get in the bonus here in a minute in the bonus. I do want to dig more into, uh, how vegans have kind of been misled and think they're doing a great thing for the environment and sort of this, this animal culling aspect of veganism you talked about. I also want to talk more about your diet, what you eat and kind of that, and maybe some of your exercise routine too. So we will get to that in the bonus show. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks so much, John. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Christian Bates. And like I said at the top of the show, I love having on liberty-minded, freedom-minded individuals who are entrepreneurs, who are disrupting um, the health space, especially, and are fighting back against really what, uh, obviously, the government has done no favors with their food pyramid and misinformation and uh, public schools misleading children on what to eat and what is good and what is bad. And of course, the recommendations for what's healthy, that's all been bad. But also corporations have been just as bad, um, you know, profiting off these hyper palatable fool, hyper fools, hyper palatable foods and uh, and pushing stuff that is is not good for you in order to make money. So, you know, just because something's a private company doesn't mean it's good. So, you know, like I said uh you know during the uh the end there with Christian support people like Christian support people who are starting businesses who actually stand number 1 you agree with them ideologically which is awesome but they're creating a product that can help you feel better and help you live a uh, a better um healthier life but also have a longer life um longevity longevity power if you will. So hopefully you guys enjoyed our conversation and uh, hope you make it over to hear the bonus show. Some, uh, some good topics discussed there. 
And uh, you can check that out by joining at patreon.com slash lions of liberty or lions of liberty.locals.com. And I hope you all have a great week, a healthy week. And uh, always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.